I'm Kristen, and this is the Explorer in You podcast. Now, what I've discovered after visiting five continents and some amazing places is that the greatest thing standing in your way of seeing the world is what you believe is possible. I believe that travel is for everyone on any budget, and it doesn't have to be overwhelming. So this podcast is all about unlocking the Explorer in you. You'll hear stories from people who will inspire you to set big travel goals and show you how to achieve them. Let's explore. Hey, welcome back to the Explorer and You podcast. So unfortunately, most of the world is still struggling with COVID and outbreaks and what that looks like for travel for us here in the U.S. is that most of us are probably going to be traveling stateside and continuing that trend from 2020 of spending a lot of time camping, being outdoors where there's space from other people and just enjoying the beauty of our state parks, our national parks. So I was excited to talk with my guest today about the outdoors, conservation, and creating safety in the outdoors, making it a more inclusive space for everyone, especially underrepresented communities like BIPOC, LGBTQ, people who haven't historically felt comfortable or welcomed in the outdoors. So my guest today is Chad Brown. He is the creative director for Chado Communication Design and Soul River Studios. He's an outdoorsman, he's a survivalist, and a conservationist. He's received the Antarctica Service Medal for surviving more than 30 days in the Antarctic continent while he was serving in the Navy. He's a board member of the National Wildlife Refuge Association, Alaska Wilderness League, and he's been featured on BBC, CBS, as well as in national publications like Outside Magazine and The Drake. He's also the first recipient of the Breaking Barriers Award presented by Orvis and the Bending Toward Justice Award from Oregon Senator Jeff Merkley. In addition to his impressive outdoor and conservation activities, he is an accomplished photographer. He received his MFA from the prestigious Pratt Institute in communication design and photography. He had a successful career in New York, but in his recent endeavors, he has founded two really I think important and impactful organizations. So not only is Chad's talent impressive as a creative, but his mission to make the outdoors feel more accessible to all people and to address the barriers, the anxiety that BIPOC feel in the outdoors was something that I found really inspiring. Now, his story is so interesting. He's been through a lot, and I appreciated how open he was to sharing the ups and the downs and how he overcame them and how he is really committed to service and to helping others through projects like Soul River Inc. and Love is King. 
Now, I thought this was an important conversation to have as we start to think about our vacation plans this summer, this spring, and going into the outdoors and thinking about what that experience might be for people of color, LGBTQ, for people who whose experiences haven't always been centered in the outdoor space. So according to the most recent National Parks Service survey, about 78% of people who visit federal parks are white. So there's room for improvement there. And Chad gives some helpful solutions and suggestions for ways that we can make the outdoors feel more welcoming and safer uh, to everyone. Chad's story is so inspiring. So let's jump into the show. So I started following you, I think about, a, I want to say like a year ago, maybe oh, wow. a little longer. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I've kind of just been kind of popping in and kind of keeping tabs a little bit here and there. But your photography was kind of what actually drew me in. I was like, wow, because um, I love to follow just Thank really you. great photographers on Instagram. Um, especially like travel, you know, anything travel or, or landscapes. So that drew me in, but then, you know, reading your captions, like your story was just so interesting and your mission was so, yeah, just impactful and what we kind of need right now in the world. Uh, so all of that just kind of drew me in. So I was so excited to talk with you, um, but I was wondering if you could share a little bit about your background and what got you to where you're at today. Yeah, so, you know, I guess, you know, I'm born and raised in um, uh, uh, Quero, Texas, grew up in Austin, uh, and I come from, um, you know, a family of uh, hunters and anglers, you know, uh, from my dad's side. My dad was also, uh, he's, he's a, a veteran who served in the Navy. And um, my mom, she was um, she was an artist, hippie <laughs> type of person. Uh, and so I guess you could say she kind of gave me that balance of uh, art. <laughs> you know, my dad yeah. gave me the hunting and, and farming, et cetera, being in the outdoors uh, with that kind of combination. That's kind of like, I'm, I guess I'm the product of that, <laughs> you know. And uh, so, yeah, so I moved forward and, you know, from Texas and, and I'm going off to college, um, done some time in college for a little bit and then end up joining the military and joint which is the navy and i did some time in the navy uh kind of went into when it you know at a, at a kind of crazy time it was during right, right when desert storm was basically about to happen and so when i got done a lot of my training i came in the second phase of desert storm and um you know and and experienced that um and then right after that i uh got um you know, uh, moved into the next um, uh, engagement, which was uh, Operation Restore Hope in Somalia, you know, and so I got put in that engagement uh, and um, and had experienced that, you know, and so the long as I stayed in the Navy, I mean, on these experiences, these deployments was, uh, you know, I've been in 14 different countries, uh, most of them was third world countries, so I was had a, an experience, you know, and you see, and it is an opportunity to see uh, third world countries on many different levels through a lens of war, you know, so it was like a growth experience for me uh, as learning of, of life. You know, my whole purpose of going into service was also to get uh, money to go to college because, you know, that's what 
that's why I joined because I needed extra money to go to college. And, and so when I got done with the service, I, you know, got my GI bill and went back to college and this was art school. And I wanted to uh, finish off my uh, degree uh, as an undergraduate in a, with the BFA. And that's what I ended up doing at American Continental University in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, and that's where I studied uh, design, communication design, photography. I finished there and I ended up freelancing and working for a couple design firms in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, you know, and then I later ended up applying to uh, Pratt up in New York and, you know, getting accepted because I was like, really, it was kind of crazy because I, I didn't think I was actually going to be good enough to actually get into Pratt. Uh, but it was a long shot. And so I didn't really have faith. And so I went ahead and kind of like created my, my own uh, uh, jeopardy of uh, booby trap for myself. And so what I did was I, uh, I took an old, um, not really an old, but a crumpled up um, a McDonald's uh, bag. And I basically tore the bag and I wrote my letter on the bag. <laughs> on the bag and I sent it wow. into the uh into Pratt and I got my acceptance letter from the dean basically sent me my acceptance letter on a torn bag as well oh that's <laughs> you know? awesome so I took it at the front I said well I'm I guess I'm going to grad school <laughs> you know? wow and, you know? and so I uh and I'm going to grad school and uh and end up finishing uh, at Pratt in New York and from there when I finished that, my, was, my studies was deeper into a master's in uh, communication design photography. And I did a lot of, you know, photography work and design work in and out of different agencies, um, more in the fashion space as well. And that led me into doing some runway photography. I was into the, doing stylized photography, portraits uh, within the fashion. And, um, you know, and I was doing really well. I had a really awesome, you know, experience in the city, you know, and in the city's pretty fast paced. Like a lot of people may know, but it was uh, definitely uh, an opportunity for I cut my teeth a lot, you know, uh, in the city, working with a lot of very well-known, good creatives, you know, and also had some down pits, you know, downfalls. You know, it was one time uh, when the uh, uh, the towers went down, basically, you know, the, the mm -hmm. Twin Towers, you know, and that that really was a big game changer in everybody's lives. That was right when, you know, I ended up, starting to uh, go independent because I lost my job. Uh, and so now here I am in the city uh, with the, with, you know, heavy monthly expense <laughs> that I have to clear, you know, so what I'm going to do now. So I end up um, finding some confidence and saying, you know what, I'm going to have to start doing some uh, consulting work. And that started to lead me into becoming more independent as a creative professional through that consulting work. It was really hard, you know, because here I am like living this life in New York. And now I'm dealing with some really hard things where there was a time that I didn't really make rent. And so that turned into, I didn't make rent for almost six months and it was really wow. bad, you know, and yeah, you know, so I had this one opportunity that can't came into my life and it was a connection that I had that was tied to Russell Simmons. It was, the connection was he was looking for creatives to help with this campaign. And, uh, and I told my contract that all I need is one shot, you know, just, just open a door and let me go in. And I went in 
met with him and his team and everything like that. And, and basically they gave me like three or four days to come up with a campaign. And so I did not sleep and drink nothing but coffee, typical New York uh, artist uh, story, you know, and I stayed up for those three days, just working, working, working. And I came to the table with like 45 campaign ideas. Wow. And, and and so he was like, well, you know, did you come up with this? Blah, blah, blah. And I said, yeah, you know, and and that opened up doors. And so I ended up landing a really awesome job. Nice. <laughs> doing some work with Fat Form versus Mr. Russell Simmons, made enough money where I was able to pay all of my rent back. <laughs> you know, it, it was crazy, you know, but it was, it was, you know, New York is definitely a hustle and flow, you know, hustle and flow. You got to have a certain type of skin, especially uh, relying on your own talent to survive in a city like that in the sea of other awesome talent out there as well. Sure. But let, as I'm moving forward, a couple of things started to change in my life. And also opportunity. And I think through the work that I was doing, that opportunity with that work opened up some really awesome blessings to where it allowed me to take a trip to Japan, backpack through Japan. So I had an awesome, some awesome experiences. But when I came back, things was different in New York. It didn't feel right anymore. And I talked to some mentors of mine and they said, like, sometimes when you go through life experiences and changes, et cetera, you tend to outgrow of where you are at, period. And... I believe that's really what was happening with me. I was outgrowing that. At the same time, I was kind of having and fighting some, some mental things that I didn't quite understand what was going on with me. And, and I couldn't put my finger on it, but something really wasn't working with me. I didn't ignore it, but I, I just like let it be. But it got worse and worse. I ended up eventually moving to Portland, Oregon and landing a job as a senior uh, creative art director uh, at an agency here in the city. But once when I got here and started to go through this process, you know, that was when I completely lost it. And, and that's, I started to deal with a lot of darkness and um, in which was, you know, my PTSD at the time, I didn't really understand what that was. Uh, but it was a lot of stuff that I biz, I found myself, um, packing away over the years uh, due to the lifestyle I was living in New York, that put me in position to pack away because I had to deal with what's in front of me all the time. And so you know, while I'm in Portland, uh, I had to deal with that. And so me dealing with that, it it put me homeless. I lost everything, ended up becoming homeless, uh, ended up getting strung out on heavy medications from the VA, eventually I ended up getting diagnosed with PTSD. So I had to go through that process. And all at the same time, while I'm fighting and even in my rig, living out of my rig and being homeless, the only two things I had with me really was my laptop and my camera. And I still was operating uh, and fr doing freelance work all at the same time living out of my rig. Don't ask me how I was able to do that. I don't know. Uh, it was just pure drive, perseverance, and trying to hold on to what little thing that was left in me that I uh, actually understood because everything else was all darkness. But it was kind of crazy because 
I would get a phone call here. I'm, you know, sitting on the side of the street inside my rig and I get a phone call. And, and again, I got a buddy of mine and, and he said that same buddy who introduced to Russell Simmons, he said, Hey, you know what? You still got the chops, you know, you created chop. I said, yeah, I still got it. And I'm not gonna, I didn't tell him like my situation and where, where I was at, what was going on, you mm-hmm. know, but I'm just like not in a really best mentally place and everything. But I told him, I said, yeah, I still got it. He said, listen, I got a, a, a I have a client who, is looking for more creative talent, but they're in Hong Kong. You know, if you if you think you still got it, you know, you can give you a shot and maybe you can go out there and, and pitch them some ideas. And so I shot them an email and everything. And, and this opportunity was kind of crazy because that client happened to be second richest uh, uh, person in the entire of Asia. Oh, wow. Yeah, you know, and it was kind of crazy, you know. And uh, he ran the, the, at that time, the number one biggest fashion a house manufacturer that handles all all of the jeans that you go uh, that you see in Costco, uh, Abercrombie Fitch, uh, mm-hmm. you know all those places. Those are those are jeans that they made basically. You know, so this is an wow. empire. And so uh, his assistant sent me a uh, a ticket. Uh, to fly out to Hong Kong. And so here I got got on the plane with my laptop and everything and I'm sketching concepts and ideas and, you know, how I'm going to shoot this with my, you know, do some photography and everything like that. I'm developing as I'm going there, you know, I get out the plane, his people come pick me up and they drive me to the office. And, you know, here I am sitting down in the office and, you know, it's like, I can't speak the language anything like that. Luckily, you know, um, you know, some of the team members, they can speak English and so, uh, and someone was able to translate. And here I, I found myself actually sitting outside, which there were some really well-known advertising agencies already pitching to them. And I was waiting for my turn. And so when I got the opportunity to step in there, I did. And I was like, and, you know, I'll just say, you know, Mr. Ranju, which is his name. I said, Mr. Ranju, there's no way I can compete with these powerhouse creatives here, but this is what I can offer. And this is what I can bring to the table. And he, I guess he appreciates my openness and, you know, of me being transparent. Mm-hmm. And what I spoke to was the fundamentals of being human, right? Loyalty, honor, respect. Uh, you know, those are the things that I spoke to of what I know that I can live within and bring to the table, those qualities. And on top of that, a uh, good, solid creative. And so he gave me a shot. <laughs> he gave me a shot, you know? Uh-huh. And so I, I won a, a really big, you know, contract. And then out of that, you know, it shot me over to Bangladesh and the Bangladesh government through his contacts, I end up landing a three-year contract uh, developing and shooting the Independence Day for Bangladesh, uh, for the country, you know, and how do we celebrate the, the independence of Bangladesh, the people, you know, it was crazy because this was something that I was doing again, you know, when I got done, I would find myself right back in my truck, <laughs> you know. Oh, interesting. So it was like this dual life in yeah, a sense. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was crazy. It was really crazy. You know, on top of that, prior before a lot of that, I just give you a, a visual. I'm not just living on my truck, but I'm, uh, you know, standing in the bloodlines, giving a pint of blood for $75. And that's where I was at. But I had a strong fight inside of me, you know, something that I, uh, I'm not willing to uh, let go, you know, I'm willing to fight for it. And now I'm in a different place where I'm, I'm fighting for myself, for my life, uh, my, my, my health and my creativity, you know, cause that was the only thing that spoke and meant a lot to me, always pursuing, um, that creativity as a professional. Right. 
as I'm moving forward, eventually, you know, I had to go through my phase of attentive suicide. Um, you know, I did, you know, seven days in a psych ward at the VA hospital. Through a lot of this fight and support community, I um, ended up launching my nonprofit, which was Soul River Inc. Uh, and, and that was centered around uh, connecting our youth and our veterans uh, to our rivers, uh, to areas that are at threat. Yeah. And I, I definitely want to talk about that. Um, I want to reflect on what your, your story. And I think what is so impressive about you and your story is that, you know, you accomplished all those things while maybe not actively dealing with PTSD, but it was yeah. still there. Right. And so to see like how, you know, how far you came really impressive. And I think that's and you correct me if I'm wrong, probably happens with a lot of people where it's just, it's under the yeah. surface and it's not quite right. there. Um, and then something happens, it's there. Like people are just functioning, but not necessarily aware right. of it. So that that really is a testament to your strength and to your just will to just keep yeah. going and moving forward. The example you gave of the business owner in Hong Kong, you know, really hiring you really because you just connected on a human yeah. level and you showed up authentically. Yeah. Right. And it's, I think it's a good reminder that it might be quote unquote risky. You know, it might not have been the approach of right. the other uh, big firms that were there, but it's worth it because a, it can pay off, but B, I mean, you really can only show up as you are. Right. So you might as well lean into yeah. it and the right person's going to respond to that. Right. The right person's going to say, yeah, I want you because you're exactly what I need. And I think that's what most of us want right. to hear. Um, so yeah, you have a really powerful story and I'm so glad that you sh you shared it with us. I know you're such an accomplished photographer. Um, getting into Pratt the way you did is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's such an impressive um, school and such a, a cool story. Um, so it sounds like you have traveled the world a little bit with through your photography. Yeah. And I was going to ask you about like a destination that you enjoyed photographing the most. And I know you mentioned Bangladesh, mm -hmm. um, but you know I don't, I don't know if there was another place that you felt kind of connected to or you felt like impacted yeah. you? Um, I think, you know, out of all of my travels with, with, you know, my photography, I will say I've been in some really interesting places, but I will say probably um, my recent past, I would say the Arctic Circle. That draws my, my, my soul constantly, probably why I end up going back every year. Uh, and, and the people, the indigenous people um, that, that holds that land uh, dearly to their hearts, the Gwich'in Nation, they're very, very special, you know, and it really speaks a lot to me. And from the people, the indigenous people to the land, that land up there is extremely um, rich and it's, and, it's, and it's extremely sensitive and, uh, and, and very powerful and magical, <laughs> you know. It's phenomenal. Mm. It's a really, really special, phenomenal place up there. Um, you know, I've never, ever seen anything like that in all my travels. You know, I've been to quite a few places around the world, uh, you know, and, and being able to see a place where man has not done yet, quote unquote, all that damage to is, is, is very, uh, um, 
it's 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 very um, you know um, impressive you know to see a place like that you know that still exists you know uh, there's places up there where you can walk through the tundra area and it's like you can come across uh, the hunting grounds of indigenous that's been there and it's been set and set in stone due to the climate that's prehistoric. And it's just out of respect. You don't even want to even touch it. Just let it be, you know, it's, it's been laying there for right. centuries. There's a lot of um, mystery to the Arctic in which it really calls me, calls me to go back a lot, you know, and I love shooting the environment that the environment changes constantly. I think that's my most favorite place that I love to be able to continue with my work of shooting. It's just a phenomenal place to go. Expensive place to get there, which is why you don't find a lot of people <laughs> going up there, you know, like right. that, you know it, it really is. But maybe that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe having a little bit of a barrier yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> keeps it less yeah. crowded. Um, but it sounds like a really pro- profound place out of just the way you're describing it. It really it. is. You know, it's um, it's magical. It really is. You know, I've been up there through the winters, um, you know, and also uh, through the summers. And the winters are just, you know, they, yes, it's very, very cold. But there's another beauty to that and that beauty that from my personal experience is the silence i've never ever experienced a silence that's so dense uh, that you feel like you you're it's it almost feel like your your ears are muzzled you know uh you can't mm. you know it's just like you want to scream you know and everything, you know, right it's, it's almost tangible yeah, like absolutely. it's, it's yeah. just dense really dense silence and it's just like whoa and at the same time it's very eerie because you're not used to it, you know, you're not used to that kind of silence, right? And so it does open itself to feeling you, making you feel of, you know, very vulnerable and it's very eerie and, and everything like that, you know. But yeah, the 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 Arctic wilderness in the winter time is very special. special. Yeah. 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 And so this is a, a good segue to my next question. Um, you know, obviously you're really impacted by nature. It's a big presence in your life. What can you tell us about nature's ability to heal, the power of nature? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, nature holds a medicine for us all. It, it holds a medicine for every last one of us. Whatever you're dealing with and fighting with on a personal level, nature has a way of helping us, uh, you know, find closure and, 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 and help us find that process to healing. Um, you know, and it's it's very special. I really didn't quite understand the power of nature until when a lot of the things that was happening to, in my life, I throughout the time, and you know, of my healing process, um, I encountered many different folks of of all walks of life that came into my life to help me. You know, and and a lot of those folks was from the outdoor community. It was a mix of hunters and fishermen and conservationists. And through that, I learned a lot of different types of uh, lenses, you know, of, 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 of how nature can help heal. But one of the biggest things that I've learned, the opportunity was um, developing relations with our indigenous brothers and sisters, uh, with the Navajo folks. I spent time with the Navajo community and learned uh, a lot from their angle of how nature heals. Uh, I've spent some time with the Kanot uh, Indian Nation up in the Olympic Peninsula, and I was able to, you know, learn a lot from them, you know, and also, and then the Gwich'in, you know, and so that, that, there's that thread, you know, 
of, of all indigenous cultures um, that, uh, that, find, that has their roots into nature and the land on a really deep spiritual level. And it's interesting how that's connected through a lot of my journeys and experiences and storytelling, et cetera, I've been able to learn a little bit much more deeper in the process of how nature supports us. And, and, and nature does has a way of uh, rooting us, you know, and, and, and helping us through the process. Nature is very, and, and we should protect as much nature as we can, um, you know, for the future of, uh, of, of families, next generation, you know, to be able to, uh, experience the what nature has to hold in the, our public lands, our fresh water, um, you know, uh, the wildlife. Uh, it's, it's, um, you know, there's just medicine all over the place. You know, it's it's phenomenal. You know, when I'm, you know, I've, you know, I'm into doing a lot of survival, uh, you know, backcountry, and and when I get into some conversations around certain people. And they said, well, how do you do this? And how do you do that? You know, and I said, you know, there's, you know, actually, if you look at the land and you look at the wilderness, um, you know, there's, there's a, there's a lot of information that nature's trying to tell you how you can survive. It, it, it mm. comes down to opening yourself up and looking at it through a different lens and be able to pay attention to what she's trying to show you. You know, if you're trying to get into fish, and you don't have the right tools, et cetera, you can still get into fish. You just need to pay attention a little bit much more closer to what's going on. If you need to eat, she's trying to tell you what you can eat of the roots and the plants, et cetera. Of course, that comes with like learning about all this, but that's coming into spending time in nature and getting familiar with who she is and, and learning about, you know. Yeah, I mean, I've never thought of it that way of if you're, open to what she's trying to show you, like it's, yeah, there. it's there. You know, I used to take uh, through some of my work, uh, I would, you know, teach people how to fly fish and the basic things. Like I could show you life and death in a poetic way within two minutes. All we have to do is go and sit on the river, you know, and we sit on the river and I said, look at that, watch that mayfly. That's a mayfly. You're gonna see the birth of that mayfly is gonna happen. And when that birthday mayfly is going to, she's going to come up, wings going to be wet. When the wings dry, the wings going to open up and she's going to fly. And when that mayfly flies, it's going to go to the tree, the next branch. And guess what? That mayfly is going to start to drop the eggs. And then that mayfly is going to turn different colors and die. And the eggs going to drop right back to the water and the cycle is going to start all over again. Wow. Yeah. You know, and so, and that's food, that's food right there. If you pay attention, that's food, that fish eats the eggs, eats the mayfly, everything. So if you're able to understand that process and you're able to see where that mayfly is, is, is creating its eggs, et cetera, all that you're able to know there's, there's fish around there. You can make those connections. Okay. I can make an educated guess to know that I can eat, probably have a chance to eat tonight. If I look in this direction, because she's giving you a map right now. Yeah, that's such a great example because I completely, you know, could see the the wings and the eggs and the like how that yeah, if you're paying attention, yeah. uh, it's it's there yeah. for you. So I know that um, like outdoor advocacy and like protecting public lands is really important to you, and I know you have a couple organizations and I really want to talk about them and highlight them, but. I want to ask you, what would you say, because I, I know one of your organizations and, and a big part of your, your mission, at least what I've read, is about, you know, making sure that people of color are represented in outdoor spaces. What would you say to someone who 
thinks that, you know, the outdoors nature is neutral. Mm. That is, is it about bringing uh, ideas of race and racism to nature and that they're not there? Like, what would you say to someone who just doesn't see that connection? Mm. Well, you know what? Um, I think probably, I mean, probably my first question would probably be to that person is that we, I like to understand uh, their background and, and, and who they have in their life, you know, because if, if your life is centered around uh, not around uh, BIPOC individuals, et cetera, it would be hard for you to even see that because, you know, especially if you are, you know, um, Caucasian, you know, uh, white, uh, you know, you, you're going to live a different life compared to someone uh, that's Hispanic and African-American or Native American. They, they, there's a different lens that's set there. So I think we have to start there is to understand, you know, who's in your life and, and how to use, you know, uh, engage with people. If you don't have the relationships of BIPOC and spending time with BIPOC, then, you know, we have to start from a different place, um, you know, but if you happen to have those relationships with BIPOC, then the next thing is how deep are your relationships with BIPOC? Do your relationships open itself up to where you're able to break bread at the table with other BIPOC folks, going deeper into people's lives and learning about their culture? And so when you go into that space and you get those kind of experiences, then you will get a different type of lens of a BIPOC experience in nature, you know? And now we can have a different conversation and build off of that. But to, so to someone that say there's, you know, outdoors is neutral, it's, it's neutral because it's through their lens and it's neutral because it's probably has a lot to do because they don't have those deep relationships with BIPOC and they have a different type of lifestyle. Uh, you know, we're, we're born a certain way and there's nothing wrong with that. It, it, it's just that when you are wanting to engage on a, um, a deeper uh, conversation that ties to diversity, having deep relations with diversity folks helps uh, the build of that conversation much richer and, 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 and greater, you know, if, if you haven't done that, then it's kind of hard to have that conversation, uh, because it's really, uh, banging your head against the wall constantly. Those, uh, conversations that I try to avoid, uh, you know, because it doesn't do me good and doesn't do that person good. All it does is just becomes a fight and a battle. I personally don't have time for that, but you know, if there's, if, if there's a person or a group that wants to have a conversation an open conversation, a healthy one, and there's some work that's being done on their end, uh, then we can definitely sit and talk and have a conversation deeper, but to, um, but there, yes, there, there is a difference of lens, um, you know, of, being African-American and Hispanic and how that is looked upon and how that's approached, there's a different experience in the outdoors, bottom line, compared to someone um, that's that's white, you know? Uh, and there's nothing wrong with that person that's white. It's just the fact that, you know, um, that, that there's the systemic uh, uh, racism that are, that are put in place uh, from laws and rules and regulations, et cetera, lends itself more to white folks uh, you know, uh, where they don't have to experience that charge or that fight or that aggression. You know, they can move through life differently compared to how I would move through uh, life as well, you know, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. And um, I think it, 
speaks to, yeah, like you're saying, policies and systems that center whiteness around the outdoors. And so the idea of centering other voices that haven't been encouraged, you know, to enjoy these these spaces. And I love your response um, going back to um, is, you know, it really does take a curiosity. It takes like an openness yeah. and a, like a willingness to like you said, first of all, see other people's experiences and want to understand right. them. And, and do you have that in your life already right. um, so that it, it makes it easier for you to go even step exactly. further and understand your experience in the outdoors, traveling, exactly. you know, and all these other different scenarios. Um, so, yeah. You know, yeah. And, you know, and when, 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 when whites, you know, uh, in that position of, of learning about these experiences and listening, that acquires grace, you know, and, you know, and if you're not used to that, immediately by default, you're going to charge, you're going to be a little aggressive, uh, you're going to come at it and, 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 and you're going to challenge uh, people's, that person's experience. And that's when there's work needs, that needs to be put in and grace needs to be put in place as well uh, and respect the others. Always hard to uh, engage in those first conversations when that person or that group um, does not have those connections with BIPOC. You know, it's, it really is a tough situation. There's people out there that's able to have them. I'm, it's, it's hard for me to go that deep like that, you know. takes a lot of energy. It really is. It takes a lot out of you, you know. Uh, you know, and that's why I always, you know, respectfully, it was like, I try to avoid, and, and it's like, you know, it's, it's awesome, it's refreshing to hear Weissman say, you know, we've been doing some work, we've been reading, can we talk about exactly some point? I said, sure, absolutely. You know, we can have much more different, but if it's if it's just completely cold and you know, and they don't even there and they don't even understand the grace part nor the respect part, they're just automatically mm. ready with amp with amp questions and they're charged. That's a very, very hard conversation to navigate. And that's something that I I used to uh, dive deep into that navigation, but it takes so much out of you uh, that it's hard. I try not to go into those deeper conversations like that you know it just takes a lot out of you uh you know i think the best thing is you know i always say uh you know here's some research uh, resource links or some books please you know let, once you if you don't mind start right here and then let's regroup mm -hmm. and let's have a conversation you know later so that, you know. sure yeah because the energy that you put in is will not be worth the outcome yeah. Right. Like, <laughs> so, you know, you have to have a, it's just too far of a starting point if someone hasn't done any research or work right. or, or, you know, doesn't have that grace. Right. Um, so yeah, I to totally understand. Um, and so I know you mentioned Soul River, um, which came first, Soul River or Love is King in terms of when you, Soul River. Okay. So do you want to talk about them in cr chronological order <laughs> or however you want? <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, Soul River is, is, is like, is my baby. It's my first nonprofit. And, uh, and that was, you know, founded and built off of my circumstances, you know, me as a veteran, uh, doing my PTSD. And, and so through that healing of nature, um, you know, fly fishing became kind of like my, uh, my vehicle, um, you know, into my process of healing, but also back into society. Um, I ended up finding the organization based off the sport of fly fishing and how it brings community together, you know, and I, and through my process of me understanding 
uh, and, you know, myself as, you know, the things I was dealing with as a veteran and also me, you know, as uh, that kid back in the day, you know, single family and understand the importance of big brother and big sister, you know, um, and I had a big brother, my mom put in my life that helped me out a lot, you know, and so putting those two kind of things together, veterans serving youth and youth serving veterans, you know, that youth gives that veteran uh, purpose, that veteran gives youth uh, leadership, life skills, uh, build a confidence, et cetera, you know, and you put these two um, demographics in nature and wild spaces around threatened land and wildlife and fresh water, uh, there's many different multitudes of layers of opportunities where that veteran that youth are serving each other, but they're also learning together at the same time about the issues that are happening. The veteran gives that youth an opportunity, um, you know, to build, not just build confidence, but to help them grow into leaders and, and, and build awareness of what's happening in that space, in that wild space. Um, you know, that veteran also act as a mentor or a assistant teacher to help youth engage into their research and help youth develop their research uh, into classes that they are tasked to do on our uh, outings with Soul River Inc., which our outings become deployments. And, and so uh, our ultimate goals from a veteran standpoint is to engage the youth, get them into what's going on uh, in current state of the condition of our land, fresh water, help them through their process of research, develop their class, and they come up with their own, their own hypotheses, right? At the same time, they learn how to develop their voice into advocacy. When we come back from our deployments, um, you know, we get called randomly to come into congressional spaces uh, to tell our story. And the youth gets the opportunity to tell their story and their experience. Uh, they get the opportunity to engage with congressional members and to learn how to advocate for our public lands, our freshwater and wildlife right there, and our, you know, indigenous brothers and sisters. And so, um, you know, so that's in a nutshell, you know, we're about fostering leaders, you know, leaders for tomorrow, um, you know, veteran steps in, their mentors, their assistant teachers to the youth. That exchange, basically and simple, gives veterans purpose, period. And it's, it's twofold, it, it works, you know, uh, for each other and, and through our deployments and the fly fishing and how fly fishing builds community, it builds a deeper relationship. Uh, we, the youngest uh, age is uh, 13 uh, to 18 of our youth. They're a lot, most are all youth of color, diverse backgrounds. Uh, veterans are diverse as well. They have different backgrounds as well. Uh, some veterans are PTSDs, you know, some are TBI. Um, you know, and, and it's, it's really amazing, special organization. It really is, you know, our youth go on to um, uh, college, uh, study, you know, many different topics within the conservation space, and we have returning youth as well. And it's, it's a really robust program. It's, it's an awesome program. Yeah, it's an amazing program. And, um, you know, for listeners, um, you know, I think on the website, there are videos of kids talking about the program. And I think there was a feature too that, you know, just definitely check it out. I'll link to it in the show notes, but um, just to see the kids talking about their experiences and to see the veterans with the kids. I mean, it's just a great program. And the fact that you're training sort of like the future leaders, yeah. you know, to, how to, I mean, that's so important, you know, how to advocate for 
the land and outdoor spaces and to be a part of, you know, the, those spaces is so important. What are the places that you guys go? Like, what are the locations? Is it one spot or do you, are there, is it in different areas? Yeah. So uh, the places that we go, let me just go back to the definition of deployments and then come, come up from there. So when we, you know, we, we call it deployments because deployments is, is when we identify, um, you know, wild spaces that are at threat, uh, rather Got our it. public land, our fresh water, our wildlife. And when we identify these places, those become the places of, to where we would deploy uh, our youth and veterans. And so Solar Inc. is a national nonprofit and we deploy all over the United States, uh, you know, wherever, where there's, uh, you know, needed for tomorrow's voice to the advocates for our public lands, freshwater and wildlife. Uh, part of our deployments, we pair ourselves up with conservation groups that are doing the work to help protect the land or the wildlife. And okay. in that space, uh, that's where you, you've learned how to be advocates. And so we would attach to those conservation groups and be an extension of an advocacy to help support uh, the work that's needed to help, you know, uh, elevate the, you know, these public lands and our, you know, and wildlife, et cetera. Uh, and so we go, you know, we have deployments on a local level right here in Oregon. Um, and, um, you know, we find ourselves, we go to the Florida Everglades, we go to Alaska, uh, we're up in the Arctic, uh, the Arctic Circle every year. Uh, we also connect with indigenous uh, nations, uh, Navajo, we connect with the Navajo in Utah. We do deployments out there. We do deployments with the Gwich'in, um, you know, and uh, last we did deployment down to uh, Mexico, the Gila River, um, you know, so, but yeah, we're a little bit. All over. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And so it sounds like you partner with the conservation agencies to find out what those um, places are yeah. that need, yeah, we need work support. Yeah, we collaborate together. Absolutely. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Mm -hmm. And then um, can you tell us about Love is King and why you created it and um, just some, uh, yeah, your mission behind behind Love is King? Um, yeah. So, you know, I um, Love is King came into a space because the fact that, you know, me as an outdoorsman, um, you know, I myself have encountered and experienced uh, aggression on many levels in the backcountry. Someone has been really, really dicey. My uh, my brake line's been ripped out. I've been shot at. Uh, I've been told to get off my river, uh, you know, and it's it's been really hard for me to, you know, to have countered those experiences. But my experiences are in the layers of a thousand experiences of many other BIPOC out there um, that operates with the fear of going into wild places, you know, and, and everyone has own experience. Women has a fear, you know, being by themselves, uh, LGBTQ. So there's a lot of different voices and different experiences out there. And I started to look at that and there's less than 5% of BIPOC going into national parks. And you got to look at that and, and question that, like what's going on here? You know, I, I understand that access is also hard, you know, for BIPOC to get in, you know, that's what we're fighting for all the time, you know, but there's also, there's also uh, the, this, this space of, of fear, of safety, 
you know, and, 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 and some of that is generational, you know, and, and, and some of that is present today of when you, especially it doesn't support anything or help anything when you got people, you know, taking their, you know, weapons and shooting Asians, you know, it, all this kind of stuff plays a role into our mind and, and just creates barriers and it's strong, it's powerful, you know, and, um, and we got to look at those things and address those issues and, and those fears, you know. Love is King was created from those kind of things and from my experiences. And, and Love is King is about dismantling the ignorance, the bigotry, the hate, uh, the racism, uh, the fear in the outdoors and, and creating safe space for, um, you know, BIPOC uh, folks to uh, be able to explore and roam further uh, in wildlife, in nature, uh, without feeling uh, uncomfortable, without feeling the aggression, without feeling the ignorance, is to help provide safer spaces uh, for all walks of life to be able to enjoy. Everybody has uh, that right to, of the freedom to roam in their own way, in their own time and place, and no one does not deserve the interference of any aggression on any level to be for that to be taken away from them. You know, that is, this is your uh, right that, that you own and you, and you have that right to, to roam uh, in freedom. So love is king is, is birth to help support that right for everyone to his birth, to fight against the ignorance and the hate and the racism and the bigotry and, and to let BIPOC know that you're not alone and there's a network here that people that loves you, that wants you and, and wants to support you into whatever outing uh, pursuit that you choose to do in the outdoors uh, for you and where you can feel comfortable and safe, basically. Yeah, it sounds like it's a it's a community that supports BIPOC enjoying the outdoors, which should seem really simple, yeah. uh, but it's there are layers right. that still exist. Yeah. It sounds like a, a yeah. really great organization. And so you have these organizations that address some really powerful things, which are, you know, amazing. What do you think that people on an individual level can do to make the outdoors feel more accessible for everyone um, or even in terms of, you know, protecting the lands. I mean, do you have suggestions for, you know, what, what individuals can, can practice? Yeah, it, it, a lot of it's, just, it's, it's, it's about, you know, having the right information, the right education uh, to, you know, to our public land, fresh water, indigenous people, et cetera, um, you know, and, and then also being able to have grace uh, to listen there's, you know, there's more listening that needs to be done, especially uh, whites. Uh, that 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 instead of the action of of discharge mentality of of uh, you know of challenging, um, it needs to be replaced more with grace to listen. You know, because what that person that BIPOC is trying to say and share, uh, it's it's an experience. Um, that you're not experiencing, you will never experience. And so this is your opportunity. This is an opportunity. This is a gift that BIPOC uh, is, is willing to actually open up and share and to, and it's for you to actually accept this gift and to listen. That's how we accept that, you know, is to listen to what they're saying. When we can start having those kind of uh, uh, beginning conversations and exchanges of respect, uh, we can start building out 
uh, a better action plan to help establish uh, the safety in the outdoors together. You know, because it's, it's a human it's a human effort, and it's not just going to take just BIPOC. It's not just going to take just white allies. It's going to take a gathering of togetherness to come together to help support and create these kind of safety awareness in the outdoors. Uh, you know, and that's for you know to someone like myself or to someone that's out there backpacking, whatever. Um, it may a lot of this may not speak to you, you know, even though you're BIPOC. But to someone that's younger or someone who's never actually entered the outdoors due to fear, et cetera, it's going to speak volumes to them. You know, uh, it's going to support them as well. You know, and that's on all age groups, down from a three-year-old to uh, an 80-year-old grandma, and and there's a lot much more people out there that would love to be able to go and sit by the river and go down a hike, but they also operate in fear, you know, and those are the things that we need to start listening to and learning about what's going on. With Love is King, you know, we have actionable platforms where to help solve problems of what I'm talking about, and some, you know, one of them is like we have this, what we call a heritage event, and we live in and out of uh, uh, calendar on a, uh, on a yearly calendar, and we use people's culture as a way of celebrating, but also introducing uh, folks into the outdoors at the same time through storytelling, uh, through music, and then opens itself with partners that we're working with, you know, white allies, and bringing those, those folks into those same spaces. It gives us an opportunity to create a deeper community and a deeper awareness, but it also gives an opportunity for you know, the common Joe and Jane of BIPOCs is coming in to feel comfortable and, 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 and enjoy themselves in a natural space without having the feeling that you're on the edge, mm-hmm. you know, anything like that. It's a community effort. Love is King is more about creating a movement. And that's kind of like where we're trying to get much more deep into that space is creating an outdoor movement throughout the United States. And that movement starts by that, the propel of, of human you know, of, of everybody coming together and everybody, you know, you can, you can be black, white, brown, whatever, but when it comes to safety, that's something that everybody can get behind because everybody wants everybody to feel safe, you know, uh, and, and, and we can get behind that and help create that type of safety awareness in the outdoors for everyone. Yeah. And I like how you said, you know, listening to you know, BIPOC stories about their experiences in the outdoors is like a gift to people who don't experience any fear or adversity instead of like an attack, right? right? Like it's all the way that you receive it and like the intent behind it. And so creating a scenario where people don't have to second guess, like, should I go out? You know, that fear in your back of your mind where you just question, like, you know, I mean, how great would it be for everyone to just charge full force yeah. into the outdoors without a second thought. Exactly. So we talked about a lot today, but I did want to ask you about your experience in Antarctica. I thought that was so interesting. So you you survived 30 days on Antarctica. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because it sounds like you are less than 1% of the world population who's yeah, done that. Yeah. So it's such a unique experience. I'd love to hear about it. Yeah, you know, well, that was part of my military. Uh, the Navy sent me down there. And, um, you know, and so there's not much I can, I can't really go out in detail, but it's, uh, it was tied with uh, working with NASA 
um, you know, and I was on the ice. And, uh, and so we had to, um, you know, we were supporting some operations down there. And it's quite an, a really interesting place. Antarctica is it's, it's a very interesting place. But you know, I ended up uh, doing a little bit more than 30 days and I was down there and I received an Antarctic uh, medal you know, for my time there. And, um, but yeah, it was really cool. It was, it was an awesome experience, you know, a lot of penguins. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, a lot of penguins, a, lot, a whole lot of penguins. I had a, you know, I got, uh, I got some old video, you know, of me laying on the ice and, and I'm getting surrounded by deli, uh, deli penguins. <laughs> you know? Oh, how funny. Yeah. yeah. So there probably wasn't a ton of wildlife, I'm guessing, other than... Uh, from my experience down there, I saw deli penguins, emperor uh, penguins, and some, um, and some seals. And I remember that I went out on, with the Coast Guard and uh, we came across a couple of um, um, uh, orca whales. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Sounds like a, a fascinating place. <laughs> it, is. It, 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 it is. You got to drink a lot of water. It's like being in a the desert there. <laughs> oh, really? So the because the air is dry or very dry, very dry. You know, you burn a lot of calories as you're just walking. You know, around. Got it. And exercising. Uh, you know, and so you know, you you definitely have to drink a lot of water while you while you're down there. Interesting. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought about that at all so <laughs> that's very interesting are, we, we flew in on c-130s and uh they are um made with skis they fly on skis you know and it's pretty crazy yeah wow so probably it just sounds like a completely different experience than most humans have ever yeah. <laughs> yeah. had yeah it's pretty awesome that you're able to um experience that yeah. really blessed I mean, you've had such an amazing life. Um, do you feel like that? Do you feel like, wow, I've <laughs> done and seen a lot? I don't. <laughs> I, don't I don't think I've seen enough. It's just life <laughs> to you, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think I've seen enough. You know, I, I feel very blessed. I've been through some really dicey situations. I reflect back on some of those things. And, you know, and I'm, I'm thankful that, I'm, that my health is intact and I'm still able to breathe and function. I'm pretty, you know, really down to earth and just really blessed on where I'm at in my life. You know, I don't think I've done enough, um, you know, or seen enough. I, I think I still have uh, some work cut out for me. I think that's a good position to be in, though, because um, that just means there's so much more. There's so much more to experience. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Constantly learning. You know, we're constantly learning, constantly uh, being challenged. And um, I try to live my life uh, really honest and uh, respectful and always open to um, uh, to be ready uh, to accept the new things and, and and if they're new and and they hard to digest I learn how to sit with it and feel comfortable with that and find my comfort and and um, and to move forward you know move forward you know that's that's yeah you know, I think uh, um, I know that some people, they get inspired off a lot of things I do. And um, sometimes hard to get hard for me to inspire, get inspired um, off my own self, <laughs> you know, and it's like, I guess I must be doing something okay, I guess, you know, but I think again, you know, it's like my intentions is always about like showing up when it's time to show up 
represent yourself well. And, uh, and when there's opportunity to share, show, and give back, lean into it and allow that to happen, whether it's inspiring our youth or, you know, or helping our veterans or just anyone. I think, you know, that's kind of like what I've learned about life right now is to, is to foster relationships and to uh, support and have people engage, you know, or engage with them and build community. That's awesome. Um, so where can people find out more about you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram. I'm on Instagram a lot, which is, you know, underscore Chad Brown underscore. Uh, if you want to follow my nonprofits, uh, you know, you got uh, LIK to Rome Free uh, and Soul River Inc. And uh, you can find me there or you can go to my website, soulriverinc.org or lovesking.org. You can always email and, um, you know, it won't come straight to me. It'll go to my staff, but they'll forward it to me as well. But yeah. Nice. And we'll link to all those places too. Um, and then, so I know you said you were heading out to uh, do some backpacking soon here tomorrow, but uh, I asked everyone this question just because I feel like travel and places and our connection to them are so, can be so powerful and meaningful. Can you tell me about a travel experience or maybe an experience, um, you know, where you were outdoors and maybe one of your like favorite places to go that really was meaningful to you? Probably one of my travel experiences that was also meaningful to me other than the Arctic was when I backpacked through through Japan. I had a really amazing, awesome experience. Uh, my journey took me from Tokyo all the way to uh, Hokkaido, uh, Oturo along the coast, uh, northern coast of Japan. I hitchhiked with some fishermen to Riki Island and I hung out Japanese fishermen and made my way back to Oturo and hiked back down and I was uh, brought into many different homes and stuff on the floor, you know, little space to sleep on the floor and uh, fed me throughout the process. And then I found myself up to the Mount, uh, climbing Mount Fuji, uh, got halfway up, got tired, connected with some monks halfway up and they took me into their chambers and gave me really big quilts and took my backpack and fed me some really awesome, uh, I guess, like soup. And it was really good and, and very nourishing and uh, spent some time with the monks and uh, got back up the next morning, got my backpack, said, thank you. <laughs> and I ended up summiting uh, Mount Fuji, you know, and then when I got to the top of Mount Fuji, I uh, was, um, you know, shocked by the rising sun. Um, I can't even really I guess, describe it verbally, uh, try to use camera, my camera to take a shot of it at the time I couldn't, but it was just beautiful seeing the movement of the sun coming up and the darkness coming right behind you, uh, you know, and it was just gorgeous. But I sat up there on top of uh, Mount Fuji and just really taking it all in. And it was just beautiful, you know, that whole process. But no, that was a really turning point of experience. And it was kind of crazy because I made my way back down Mount Fuji and I got lost. Mm -hmm. And so when I got lost and I, I got off the track, I found myself, I got the name of the force, but I found myself through the suicide force. And oh, that was right. <laughs> You're like, I don't want to be here. 
So yeah, and thank God it was daytime and everything, you know, but I backpacked, I knew where I was at and I felt some weirdly oh, eerie no. stuff. I was, like, I was like, okay, I got to get out of here. I got to find my way, you know, and everything, you know, but I bushwhacked, I had no idea, but luckily I ended up uh, bushwhacking and I found myself on a road and I and, and there was um, uh, uh, like a tour bus coming down that road and I ended up basically hitchhiking and, and got on a tour bus and everything, you know. Wow. And that's when I found out, you know, a lot of people tell me the story about the suicide. I was like, oh my God. And I said, no one, I felt all kinds of bad energy. I felt a lot of crazy and it was, it was very crazy, wow. you know, but yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds like an amazing <laughs> trip. I am so jealous. And um, we went to Japan in, I think, 2019. And I actually hadn't realized, like, there are so many trails that you could, yeah. I had no yeah. idea. Um, but like hearing you say that, it's like, obviously, you can hike through and it's such a beautiful country. I mean, there's so much diversity. Um, yeah. What, what a beautiful, that, that, I think that would be a very meaningful <laughs> trip. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. It was great. I spent uh, uh, three months uh, in Japan. Backpacking, wow. You know? wow. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was a phenomenal experience. That sounds really phenomenal. wonderful. It's been such a pleasure to talk with you and to hear your amazing story and all the great things that you're doing. I, will, I encourage listeners to go and check out everything and support <laughs> support what you're doing in any way that they can but thank you for spending this you know hour with me and just sharing sharing all the great things that you're doing i really appreciate it you're welcome yeah pleasure thank you for having me and glad i glad to share so thank you hey there so i hope you enjoyed this episode and if you did and you've been enjoying past episodes if you haven't already i'd love it if you could take just a few minutes to leave a review Reviews really do help the show, and I read every single one. And if you know of people in your life who you think would really love this show, make sure to tell them about it. And if you haven't yet, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single show. Your support means so much to me. Thank you for being here. Have a wonderful week. Thanks for listening to the Explorer and You podcast. Don't worry, we have a new episode every week. Subscribe so you don't miss it. And don't forget to visit explorerandyou.com for more inspiration and tips. If you want to share the love, you're welcome to send this podcast to others. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time.